Hello and welcome to Movie Maker. I'm Movie Maker Managing Editor Caleb Hammond, and this week's guests are husband and wife filmmaking duo Dion Taylor and Roxanne Avent. Together they run Hidden Empire Film Group, and their latest is Fatal, which stars Michael Ely and Hilary Swank. The film is a throwback to the erotic thrillers of the 80s and 90s, and you just don't see a movie like this get made anymore. Uh, without further delay, here's our conversation. Hi, Dion and Roxanne. Welcome to the Movie Maker Interviews podcast. Hey, Hi, look, what's going nice on, man? You. You, already, you already know we the Movie Maker <laughs> fanatics, man. What are you talking about, man? Don't try to come on here humble, man. We love what you're doing, man. Let's go. Yeah, you guys are, you know, I mean, you're so perfect for our brand, as you know, you know, our aspiring filmmakers, self-taught filmmakers, people from all across the country that don't necessarily live in L.A. or New York. You know, you guys are right sort of our bread and butter um yeah so this film nice. you know i thought it's hard to talk about a film like this without you know getting into spoilers <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, i guess first off i'm interested in sort of your take on the thriller genre you know as a husband and wife combo you know i i love this genre so much you know husbands and wives mistresses all trying to murder each other you know i <laughs> it's one of my favorite genres um this year, we were supposed to get the return of Adrian Lin with, uh, you know, he had a new thriller, you know, the Fatal Attraction director with Ben Affleck and his wife, and that got bumped. Yeah. But we have Fatal. Yeah. Um, so talk about uh, talk about that genre as a, in, in a general sense. Yeah, I think that uh, obviously you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Adrian Lin is, you know, obviously prolific. Um, but I think <clears throat> what movies were being created in the 80s and 90s are not being created now. And to me, those were like the heartbeat of the thriller. You know what I mean? So you think about Fatal Attraction, you think about Basic Instinct, you know what I mean? It was so many, it was so many just great films. I remember being like, damn, this is great. Like, and they broke the rules, you know what I mean? And they broke the rules. And now we've gotten to a place now where you have so many films and everyone's like, oh, you can't do that or don't do that. But yet, you could go see a horror movie, you know, with the devil sitting on the bed, like, you know, like, so why, so why can't we do this type of movie? You know what I mean? So to me, I'm a fan of those movies. I'm a fan of movies that make audiences talk. Uh, yeah. I'm a fan of movies that make people want to like see it again or try to guess at it. And uh, that formula is very cool to make, but at the same time, I think we're twisting it a little bit because we're putting our spin on it. We're putting that, you know, the, the, the 2020 spin on it now where we're like, all right, that's great, but if you add this staircase and this left turn, <laughs> you might have something really, really cool. And that's how we approached Fatal, myself and Roxanne and our writer, David Lowry. And then we were extremely blessed, man, to go to Hillary Swank, two-time Academy Award winner Hillary Swank as independent artists and be like, hey, you know what? I got this idea for something that you've never done before in your life. <laughs> and she was like, she laughed and she was like, man, well, what can I do? I, I want to be a part of it. and once we had her, man, I knew that it would be just phenomenal what we would create. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way about, about the genre. I mean, I feel like we, the whole point is to bring, bring that whole lifestyle back, but elevate it to today's 2020. And there's nothing more like rewarding than to have people screaming at the screen, talking so loud that you can't hear the next dialogue. They gotta come see the movie again, right? thinking you have it all figured out and you don't, you know, it takes you through this roller coaster ride. 
And that's what going to the movies and escaping, especially this time of the year and this day and age that we need. And Fatal will give you that. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me as well, like the theater experience, like you were saying, is such a big part of these types of movies, but also like on streaming and like at home, I think these types of thrillers and these movies work so well. Cause you know, when I'm trying to figure out what I want to watch, uh, you know, what kind of mood I'm in, I feel like I'm always in the mood for like this type of thriller, like any day of the week. Like if I'm like, what, what type of movie do I watch? Like, oh, there's going to be twists. There's going to be turns. It's going to be ridiculous in a, uh, in a very like fun way in certain moments. Um, and so I think like, you know, there is sort of a double life for these types of movies. Um, I, I agree. I think it's going to have a life in the theater and I think it'll definitely have a gigantic life in streaming or POVP bot or whatever they call it. Um, what's great about these movies and why I think so many people love them is because they check all the boxes. You know what I mean? We're in a time right now and you know this, Caleb, because you've been doing this a long time. It's only dramas are great but we're already sad, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, so it's like, all right, I don't know if I want to feel like that right now. You know what I mean? But, and horrors are great because they transport you to another place when you watch it. Cause you're like, oh man, what's in the room? And they give you an experience. Mm -hmm. Thrillers are incredible because they give you all of the buttons. They give you the thrill. They give you the scariness. They give you the jumps and they give you the, oh, I can't believe this mother. You know what I mean? So. You get all those elements, and if you do it right, you get audiences that absolutely love it, man. And I really believe that Roxanne, as a producer, man, producing this film independently for no money, getting Dante Spinotti, two-time Academy-nominated cinematographer who did Heat, to go back to L.A. to do a movie like this, man, it's insane, man. And look, we just, we're just happy that we got to drive this car yeah. to the front of the restaurant because I'm like yo look at this car you know what I mean it's like man this is this is like it's a blessing man and for every independent filmmaker out there the journey man it's the journey if you keep taking these journeys and you keep pushing you keep fighting eventually man you'll get through some of these battlefields and you'll get to a clear field where people can actually see all the work you've been doing that's 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 what we're at right now and I'm interested in both of your thoughts on Hillary Swank's character you know um She's unhinged, you know, in a lot of ways, but I still think she's a very empathetic character and she's not, uh, you know, just the crazy female stereotype, you know, kind of manipulating all these characters. And she, but she is kind of like balancing this act of, you know, uh, sort of a, a standard character in this film while also, you know, having, you know, like the 2020, like you said, like she's not, you know, yeah, I guess talk about her role. <laughs> well, I mean, you hit it on the head. It's hard to figure out, you know, while you're watching the movie, where she's going to go and where she's going to be. I mean, she's super complex. She has a lot of layers that you're peeling back. I mean, for me, it's interesting because I think a lot of women will relate because the position that she's in, you know, you feel compassion for her. I mean, I did because, you know, everybody doesn't know this until they see the movie, but... I would do exactly what she did, maybe not in execute it the same way, but it's at the same time, I mean, you will do anything and you will sacrifice everything for what she's fighting for. You know what I mean? And so I think 
you could look at it a couple different ways. Obviously, she may be approached it a little bit differently, but she's seen an opportunity. And at this point, she had no opportunity. You know what I mean? I feel like she had no way out. She didn't know how she was going to shake things out. And I think when you get to that point that she's in and that in her life, that it's by any means necessary to get what she needs in the palm of her hands. You know what I mean? And he just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time and fell into her web. That's yeah, but also, 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 Caleb, here's what I think is unique about the film. When you look at the model of all these movies and you, and you understand them, because you watched all of them, what I think we did different than a lot of people have done, she's not just crazy. <laughs> Everybody always has somebody, they, they're just crazy. You know what I mean? It's like, I did one of those. I did The Intruder. He was crazy. You know what I mean? But yeah. this movie, there's something that has made her crazy. You know what I mean? And now we get to see it. And I think that's really dope. And um, yeah, I think that's a very good point about, you know, where these people are coming from, like as a sense of motivation in a lot of these types of films. I mean, and to nod back to Fatal Attraction, I do, is that elevator, you know, that kind of industrial loft elevator to apartment? I mean, that's a clear nod to Fatal Attraction, right? 100%. Okay. There's a few of them, man. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's, it's as a filmmaker, man, you, you have to pay homage to the greats. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to, man. And if you acted like, oh, I just did that because I thought that the wind was moving. Like, man, get out of here, man. <laughs> you pay homage to these. I searched. Roxanne will tell you this. Me, Dante Spinotti, that lady right there, Roxanne, and my buddy uh, Omar, we searched LA morning, noon, and night to find that elevator. <laughs> I looked, because I said, I got to have this elevator. I mean, I had pictures of it. And we finally found it. It took us about three weeks to find that elevator. And I'll also tell you this. I'll go to the culture for one moment. I had to pay homage to the Hughes brothers. In this movie is, a, is an actor named Tyron Turner, who was Kane from Minister Society, one of the biggest, most prolific black films of all time. Mm -hmm. And in that movie, I put him back in a 5.0 Mustang because that's what everyone remembered from him in the 90s. And I will tell you, black Twitter, black Instagram, they going crazy because they're like, oh my God, he did. Yes, I did because the Hughes brothers are special, man, and Minister Society was special. So there's a few things in the movie where I'm like, I'm gonna put this here. Also, I'll, I'll tell you at a later date, but. I did a, um, a very, very special thing for Kobe Bryant inside Fatal, and I, that's an Easter egg. People would have to go find it. Yeah, I'll have to get a new link to scour now you gotta, frame yeah, by frame. Now you gotta say, I missed that. You gotta challenge him to find it now. <laughs> uh, where did you end up finding the elevator in LA? Like what neighborhood? Man, we was in the, what was that? The uh, Downtown LA, it was near, you know, I, I'm not from there, so I'm, I'm bad with the Korea, area. Koreatown, Koreatown. Korea Man, and, and look, we was in there like, yo, y'all got an elevator? We was like some drug addicts, like, yo, y'all got elevators? And somebody was, like, somebody was like, yeah, come back here through this thing. And we ultimately yeah. found that place, man. And um, I'm excited, man, because I used that elevator really well in the film. It really means a lot. It actually ends the movie as well. And uh, I just thought, man, what a beautiful Dante's work, man. I'm, I'm praying, Caleb, that people really take notice of his work and award him. I don't care what you think about the film, but if you watch this movie, no one has shot LA like him. And Fatal, yeah. every frame, man, it's like he took his pen 
and signed every frame of that movie. It's incredible. He sketched it out. Sketched it out. <laughs> yeah, but the what, locations what, are so important to the movie because they play a character as well. You know what I mean? So we were super blessed to be able to find not only her apartment, but that house on Mulholland Drive to really showcase who these characters were and what place they were in their life, you know? Yes. And what were those conversations like with Dante? Like, how did you develop a look for the camera moves? You know, there's a lot of very like elegant sort of sweeping, uh, you know, dolly shots and different types of things. How did you sort of end up like with the, you know, final look of that film? Yeah, we, we, we really, we really had a lot of conversation about the movie. Um, as an independent artist, one of the things that I figured out very early is the more time you could spend prepping and discussing, the better the film will be because you don't have any time once you get on set. Yeah. Um, so Peter Rosenfeld, who's camera eight operator for us, who's incredible. Uh, uh, Chris Duskin is our B camera operator. Dante and I really wanted to find out what would it look like for a young businessman who's worth probably $150 million in LA? What would, what would his world look like? Yeah. Right. And that's what we jumped off at. We jumped off on the, the architecture of the houses that you will see in the film. Everything, everything is vertical. Um, and then we took vertical uh, worlds and landscape and we actually messed it with colors. So we shoot Ely a lot in blues and we shoot Hillary a lot in reds and violets. And ultimately when they get to Vegas, those worlds collide. And then you get this morphed color, which is the whole film. And uh, I just think it's also why Dante's a genius. Um, and I think it's also why people should really take notice of his work in this film. There's some moments in this movie, man, where uh, we were screening with some people and this is just regular people. I had a dude stand up behind me and be like, God damn, whoever lit this is the shit. And I'm like, who is that? And he's like, what's the person called to do the light? And I said, when you tap, when you tap people that do that, Right. When people don't even know nothing about lighting and be like, damn, this movie looks like that's when you got someone that's really, really special, man. And I'm hoping that the city and Movie Maker magazine, man, I, you know, I'm a fan. I hope you guys really write a little bit about what he's done in this film, because it's exceptional. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've covered your journey a few times about you know, starting out, and it's a really amazing story about, you know, the countless meetings, the hearing no, the kind of flying from Sacramento back and forth. Uh, what I'm interested in talking about is, you know, your first experiences on set, you know, where it's all theory up until that point, you know, what is directing actors, what is, you know, talking to department heads. And so from then with your first film up until now, like what are, what are the lessons you've learned and what are things that you kind of made mistakes on early in your career that you've kind of adjusted and sort of changed your directing style? Like, what is that like, you know, directing for the first time? Oh, man, that's <laughs> tough. That's tough, man. I think, um, I think, you know, me and Roxanne have been hand in hand for, you know, 15 years doing this. Um, so my experiences are her experiences as well. Um, sometimes I get the heavier blow of it because I am the director, you know what I mean? Um, but we're first generation filmmakers. So I didn't know how to make a movie when I first made a film. You know what I mean? I was just trying to make a movie. And I'm like, oh, say this and do that. And then as time goes on, you realize if you're, if, if you're blessed enough to realize this, that 
you can actually say something through art. What is your style? And I think about five years ago, man, I figured out what a Deion Taylor film is. You know what I mean? And what am I doing? And I think that's the most important message is anybody can go say something, but what are you really saying? You know what I mean? And I think what we're trying to say is every movie that we deal with is adversity. Every film, I don't care if it's Meet the Blacks, <laughs> it is someone going through something and actually overcoming that. And that's a big message, man. That's a really, I'm just telling you, as black people, that's what we went through. I mean, me and this girl have put 50 cent in a gas tank. I've looked at her. I woke up. She's, she's had to pick me up off the floor a few times where I'm like, damn, I can't believe they said that. You know what I mean? I, 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 seriously, man. And this is the real journey. Like, I don't think anyone knows that we shot movies for $800,000 that made it to the theater. You know what I mean? No one sees that. And the breakthrough came with The Intruder, where on set of that film, Dennis Quaid came to me and said, I got to tell you, Dion, I haven't been on a movie like this in 25 years. He was like, this is the funnest set I've been on in 25 years. He was like, I'm fucking breaking through doors. I'm doing my own stunts. He's like, I hurt my goddamn elbow. He was, and he, and he said, this is how you make movies. He said, the, the mere fact that you don't know what will happen tomorrow is why you're going to be great. And I said, thank you for that, man. But me and Roxanne, we've studied film. We've studied the greats. We've watched production. And we also understand, like she just said a moment ago, we have never had one time, Caleb, in our lives, all the independent people out there understand this. I've never had one reshoot in my life. That means that when you shoot, do you, I know for a fact it's ingrained in me that I will never get to do that scene again. So you have a different appetite, sets, production, everyone working when they come on our movie set, they know that I'm gunning because I don't know if I'm gonna ever be able to come back to that again. So I'm getting multiple angles. I'm switching up the dialogue multiple times. I'm asking two-time Academy Award winner Hillary Swank, hey, can you do it again, but this way? Why am I doing that, Dion? I said, because I don't know if I'm gonna come back here and this might work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she's like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. And all of a sudden now, everyone's kind of like in this mode, which is like game mode. It's not, it's not a giant studio move where it's like, all right, we're doing two pages today. Uh, the producer said that we could move the location. It's like, no, man, get out there. <laughs> that light is broke. Stand in the sunlight and do it. You know what I mean? Period. Yeah, there was a TV show, like a network TV show shooting on my street a couple weeks ago. And it was like a full week. And I was like, I guarantee this is like the smallest sliver of a scene. And it's like <laughs> tons of people. I couldn't park, you know, within a three block radius for like a week and a half. And it's like, I bet this is like a 30 second for the show or, or gonna be on the editing room floor you already know man. yeah <laughs> um yeah Roxanne kind of the same question for you like what has your journey been like as a producer and what are the lessons you've learned over you know the same time span because you know I've like I think with producing with indies you sort of learn how to be a producer by just realizing what needs to be done and then once you sort of get that down I think you start to learn like what type of producer you want to be. So how has that worked for you, I think? Yeah, I mean, you know, being self-taught, it, it's kind of the same journey. Like I just went in and, and trying to wing it. You know what I mean? I didn't know from the first set what I was doing. Although I had came from the Director's Guild, I had some kind of taste of, 
you know, organizing projects, you know, I mean, it's, it's really tough when you don't have anyone to hold your hand, tell you what to do, tell you how it works, you know, um, having the, the business background that I had, it, it, I think it helped me be able to navigate a little bit easier through everything. Um, but, you know, it, it's really hard too, to gain the respect sometimes um, as the crew and the talent when you're trying to cast, when you're trying to get people hired, because um, there's this validation process, you know, in Hollywood that if you don't have these big movie resume, you know, they're like, well, why should I come do this movie? You know what I mean? And I got to come do this movie for no money. You know what I mean? And work 16 hours a day. So I tried to figure out how I can just really make it an environment for them to where, like Dion said, it was super fun. You know what I mean? And whatever I could do to them to make them more comfortable. So when they come to set, they can just focus on the craft. You know, very quickly, I had to learn how to do everything, all the nuts and bolts from concept to delivery. You know what I mean? Being an independent producer, I mean, I'm doing the budget, I'm hiring all the crew, I'm managing the cost report every day, I'm making sure the food is on point. And I know that doesn't seem like a big thing, but when that crew breaks, if that food ain't good, you got a problem. You know what I mean? What you that, mean we having hot dogs again? You, what you mean we yeah, like, <laughs> Costco pizza. You know. yeah. What you mean we got hot dogs again? Oh my God. It's, I mean, it's, it's really like, you got to just make that their safe haven. You know what I mean? And, and they got to feel safe. They got to feel comfortable. And you got to be able to deliver all the bells and whistles for the crew, you know, especially camera grip and electric, like they need all their little toys. So I had to figure out, okay, how do I get them what they need on this budget? You know, it's just, it was just a roller coaster trying to get my fittings in how to make sure I can make these movies look big with the amount of budget that I had, you know what I mean? So really trying to create long standing relationships based on how often we would shoot opposed to being a one-off, you know what I mean? Being able to raise money and leverage the last production to the new production by bringing people on set to see you in the action, see you in the mode. So they're like, oh my God, you know, there's something about when people see a movie going and the excitement, right, that they get from it to want them to be on board, you know? So really just trying to figure out how do I get to be one of the great producers? What are they doing? And how can I elevate myself even more? I want to be creative. I want to be physical. I want to be able to know the next step before I get there. You know what I mean? I want to be able to know who those hot new talent is before they come. I want to break the talent. You know what I mean? Just trying to be better so I can trailblaze the way for the, the, the new people coming under us because just to speak to the diversity is really hard when you can't identify with anyone in front of you. You know what I mean? Because this is, has been a predominantly male, white male world. You know what I mean? So I'm working a hundred times harder, a hundred more hours and still like go over here, go sit down. You know what I mean? No respect. So gaining that respect was the first thing that I had to get from this world because Without the respect, you have no leverage. You know what I mean? And so I had to prove myself over and over and over again that I could do this, you know? And so just trying to maneuver the best way I can 
was was really really hard and the pressure of staying on budget and not having to come back to reshoot you know I just feel like the weight all falls on the producers you know what I mean and especially the physical producers there's different levels you know you have the studios that come in and be like hey what's going on where are we at where are we doing and they leave they're there for one or two days you know what I mean but you got to keep this train moving every single day and make sure that everybody is happy, everybody's getting what they need and do it with a smile on your face. There is no no, you gotta figure it out. You know what I mean? So it's there's been all kinds of whirlwinds, all kinds of struggles, all kinds of learning. You know, I'm always a student, so I'm just trying to make sure that I learn from every film, I'm learning from every mistake, I'm paying attention, making sure that I know or at least understand every department's role and how they serve because starting as a PA and being who I am now was so helpful. So it's so important to know how the whole production works. You know what I mean? How it's set up and the process of it because it makes you better. So when you're having a conversation, I know what the lights are. I know what the cameras are. I know what the makeup should be, what colors to avoid on camera and not, you know what I mean? So just really trying to learn from every movie on my own and through the lens of Dante's and department heads, how to be better. So I can bring that to each and every production. Yeah, that's very elegantly put. Um, we don't have a ton of time. So um, you're, you guys are so prolific. You know, we, uh, John Scheide, who writes for us a lot, did a piece on Don't Fear. I don't know if you saw Yay. that. Hey, John, we love John. Uh, do you have any sort of quick thoughts on shooting a film during a pandemic and sort of, you know, you guys are so good at like scaling stuff down and being as lean as possible. Uh, do you have any thoughts on what that experience was like sort of adding in sort of COVID protocols as well? Um, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. It was like no other. I mean, you know what I mean? First of all, we went all the way back to, you know, our earlier days, we shot the movie for under a million dollars. So if we thought it was challenging shooting Fatal for under six, you know, location manager, producer, you're, you're, the, you're the everything, right? And then the whole world is different. And there was no rule book at this time. There was no, there was just, okay, maybe you do it this way. Maybe you do it that way. And we had so many other movies lined up from studios and we're like looking around like, okay, what are we going to do next? Dion's so creative. He wrote this the script and I'll let him speak to you about that. Um, like in, in four weeks, I said, let's go shoot a movie. We're in an area, Lake Tahoe, where there was no desk. There was only like 60 cases at the time. I said, this is the perfect window. Let's knock this movie out. We had 60 person crew, six people in the movie, but we had to quickly learn. I had to go develop the relationships with the labs. I had to figure out what all of these tests are. I had to be an expert. Like I'm a medical expert on COVID, by the way. So if you need any answers, let me know. But you know, you had to quickly conform. That's what you do. You got to roll with the times. And I had to quickly conform, get all the information. And it's going to be, you know, 10 to 20% more of your budget to execute these things. You know what I mean? And, and making sure that your crew and your talent trust you is the biggest thing because your life is in their hands because you have to ensure 
that they do not get sick. And then you have to ensure that when they're not shooting, that everybody's following the protocols so they don't bring you know, COVID to the set. So it was super challenging and, and very scary. I mean, you have those pressures already on set, but when you're dealing with a pandemic and risking people's lives, I think that was probably the most scariest thing for me, um, the pressure of making sure that everybody is safe. God, thank God that we got through that with no interruptions, no one got tested positive. So I'll let Dion speak to you about the premise of that, but it was it was really, really, it was a really tough shoot. And again, that budget was escalated because of it. Yeah, I think I I just think shooting in the pandemic, we were, we were this, you know, we were built to be able to do that, period. You know what I mean? Without taking too much more time. We 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 understood the the most important thing for a producer working with a director is, you know. These, these famous words, I got it. Like, it doesn't matter how great a producer is or how great a director is. If a director is sitting there and he can't get the shot, you can't move on. And what I think I've learned is, ain't got no more time, I got it. I got the shot, like I'm cutting in my head. So if you can edit in your head and you be like, damn, I can't do that whole scene. All right, let me just convert in 10 minutes and flip it to this. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's that's what I think Mia Roxanne do really well. She's a prolific producer. But then on the other side of the coin is me kind of being like, damn, we ain't got no time, no money. I could do it like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we've had so much experience in editing rooms where I'm like, damn, if I cut that and that together, we might not even need this. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking that way. And it's interesting, man. I know Steven Soderbergh is, you know, prolific in kind of grabbing cameras and shooting the same exact way. A buddy of mine called me that was on set two weeks ago and was like, man, you need to meet Steven Soderbergh. You guys shoot the same way. And I'm like, well, it's probably because he understands like ain't no time and you ain't got no time to mess around. Just keep shooting and cutting. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how I really approach it. But Don't Fear is a Beast, man. Um, That is a really exceptional film that I'm sure we're going to be all talking about right after Fatale. Yeah. Always love talking to you guys, Dion, Roxanne. Uh, excited for everyone to see Fatal, whether it's in you know theaters this week or you know on POD, PVOD, uh, I think in early January. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon because you you guys are both always making so many movies. It's such an <laughs> amazing clip. Uh, it's very inspiring to me and our readership. Uh, so I want to thank you again for talking to me today. Thank you, Caleb. And, and please, man, we love Movie Maker, man. We love you, brother. And and Merry Christmas. And thank you for always being there with us, brother, for real. Yes, yes. thank you. Have a Merry happy Christmas. holiday. Appreciate you. All right, thanks. All bye. right, bye. Hey, it's Caleb. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to rate and review us. And please check out MovieMaker.com. See you soon.